You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. Acts 13, verse 4. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Someone say Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Cilicia and they sailed to the island of Cyprus. There at a town of Salamis, they went to a Jewish synagogues and preached the word there. John Mark also went with them to, to assist. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island and finally reaching Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Peleus, who sent, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and sent him to visit him. He wanted to hear the word of God, but Eliamus, the sorcerer, his name means in the Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Verse nine. So. Saul, also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Someone say Holy Spirit. He looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, you son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, you are the enemy of all that is good. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, the Lord laid his hand of punishment upon you and you will be struck blind. You will not see sunlight for some time. Instantly, the mists and darkness came into the man's eyes. He began groping on the, groaning, groping around, begging someone to take his hand and lead him. Verse 12, when the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer and he was astonished at the teachings of the Lord. I came here to tell you this morning that discerning the spirits expands spiritual territory. The title of this message is Expanding Spiritual Territory, The Gift of Discerning Spirits. Let's pray. So Lord, we declare right now that your word is true and that every man's a liar. We declare, let your word be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Father, we hide your word in our heart that we cannot sin against you. Father, we declare, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. I pray right now that you would breathe your spirit, Holy Spirit, on the Logos word, the written word, and I pray it would become rhema, it would become alive. Father, I pray right now that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand what your spirit is saying. We pray today, come on, pray with me, church, no spirit but the Holy Holy Spirit is welcome in here. We say fear, you have to go. We say confusion, you have to go. We declare the lies of the enemy, you have to go. Holy Spirit, come rule and reign. Lord, we declare we won't make room for your spirit, but we give you the entire room. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now and I thank you that no one came to hear me. We all came to hear you. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. And amen. We're stewarding a prophetic word this year that this is the year of expanding territory. This is the first Chronicles 410 year. Hold that he would bless us indeed, expand our territory, put his hand of favor upon us and keep us from evil. We're in a season of spiritually expanding territory. The Lord spoke to my heart and said, you expand spiritual territory through the gifts of the spirit. They're found in 1 Corinthians. There's nine of them. We have wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, power, prophecy, speaking in tongues and interpretation. 
interpretation of tongues and distinguishing between the gifts. These gifts are given to us so that we could personally expand spiritual territory. Here's why. When the gifts operate through you, other people encounter God through the gift because they experience the gift and we encounter the gift because the gifts went through us. But there's a lot of people that reject the gifts of the spirit and they don't believe they're in operation today. That's a bad doctrine in theology. I believe that is taught by the devil who wants us to not expand territory. So to keep you from expanding territory, he'll cause you to resist or to reject the gifts that Jesus gave us. So real quick, let's go over the five W's of the gifts of the spirit. Who are they for? They're for everyone, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What are the gifts for? They're spiritual tools to advance the kingdom or expand territory. Where are they from? They're from God, James 1:17. Where were they given? Or when were they given? After Jesus ascended to heaven on the day of Pentecost. And why are they so important? Because they give us the power to expand spiritual territory. Let's get into the new one today. First Corinthians chapter 12, it says this. To another is given the ability to distinguish between the spirits. Other translations or versions say discern between the spirits. So what is distinguishing or discerning the spirits? It is the ability to know by what spirit a person is motivated. It's the ability to know what spirit is in operation. Let me simplify this for you. It is to know, is this God or not? Is this person operating with the spirit of God or not? I want to warn you, this is not the gift of being critical. How many met someone with the critical spirit and they say they discern everything, but the truth is, is they're just a critical person? You could be assured you're not a gift to anybody. Your discernment, your discerning, your criticalness is not helping anyone. This is not a critical spirit. This is a discerning spirit. And unfortunately, because we've lost this discerning spirit, this gift of the Holy Spirit, we've lost the ability to know when God is in operation or what spirit is motivating. A couple of years ago, I got a, a message from a mom of a, a boy I knew growing up. And she said, Landon, I really need to talk to you. It's important. So I got on the phone with her and she said, I, I, I'm having all these crazy things happen in my home. I said, what's happening in your home? She goes, well, in my kitchen, every time I, I, I leave the kitchen, the, the dishwasher will open and the top tray will dump upside down in the middle of the kitchen floor. And no one's in the house but me and it keeps happening. So being the man of God that I am, I'm like, Holy Spirit, what do we do? I don't know what to do. <laughs> Majority of pastoring is just, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do. What do you want us to do? It's great. It's awesome. They don't teach you in the Bible school, but you'll figure it out. And so, so, so I, I'm on, on the phone with her, and I, I said, Holy Spirit, what do we do? And as soon as I asked the Holy Spirit, he said, ask her what is in her house. And I said, you got something in your house that's connected to witchcraft. What is it? She goes, oh, my goodness. She goes, my daughter-in-law's family is into dark art. She gave me this, these dolls from Mexico, and they're on my mantle. And with the gift of wisdom that I operate in, I was like, get them out of your home. Now, when someone's taking, or when a spirit, a demonic spirit is taking objects in your kitchen and dumping it out in the middle of the floor, that's kind of obvious. 
But can you discern the spirit that's in operation through the spirit of offense? When you see the same social media post every few months and you keep getting offended at the same things. When the same news story comes out, the same spirit of offense comes with it. Can you discern what spirit's in operation when you hear gossip and slander? It's amazing people love talking in church about abominations and what abominations are, but they forget Proverbs 6 says that a, a, a lying tongue, that, that, that slander and gossip is an abomination. So when someone says, oh, I really shouldn't say and dangles that carrot in front of you. Can you recognize what spirit is in operation? Do you have the ability to sense what's going on in the spirit? Do you know when something is motivated by the Holy Spirit or by another spirit? Let me give you some biblical examples of this. In Mark chapter four, verse 39, it's the story of the disciples that were in uh, the storm. And you know the story, they were all uh, uh, freaking out and, and thought they were gonna die. They went and woke Jesus up and they're like, you're sleeping, why we're, we're gonna die? And here's what Jesus did. In Mark four thirty-nine, it says, and he awoke Jesus and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind, wind ceased, and there was a great call. Jesus discerned the Spirit. So when the disciples thought it was just a storm, Jesus understood what was behind the storm. Now, mind you, you have Jesus on the boat with the disciples that would be the future, future apostles that would take the gospel to all ends of the earth. So if that ship went down, so did the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, he had not yet gone to the cross yet, but there was something behind that storm to take that boat down. Remind you that Ephesians 2 says that Satan is the prince of the air who was troubling the waters of that sea known as Galilee to try to take that boat down. So what? So Jesus woke up and he rebuked the spirit behind the storm, not the storm. Can you feel the spirits that are in the atmosphere? My wife called me a few years ago and she said, hey, I want you to pray for me. I just went into the store. Man, I just felt all sorts of witchcraft. I said, was it the store downtown on this street past the flower shop on the left-hand side? She goes, how'd you know? I said, about a year ago, I went into the same store and felt the same thing. That without even talking about it, we can go into atmospheres and feel, watch, when the Holy Spirit's there or when other spirits are there. Church, we need the ability to discern what spirits are in operation. Let me give you another example. Jesus recognizing an evil spirit at work in Peter. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Verse 22, and Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from me, Lord, that this should ever happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. For you are a hindrance or an offense to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but for the things of man. Isn't it interesting that Peter is operating in a spirit from Satan? Now watch, Peter is one of the closest ones to Jesus. 
He's one of the inner circle three. He, 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 he's, he's, he's the one who's, who's intimate with Jesus. The, we're talking about the apostle Peter here. And the apostle Peter, watch, is operating in a spirit of offense from Satan. And so Jesus rebukes the spirit because he discerns what spirit is in operation. Watch, if Jesus did not go to, uh, or Jesus wasn't arrested, he wouldn't have been tried. If he wasn't tried, he wouldn't have been sentenced. If he wasn't sentenced, he wouldn't have been executed. If he wasn't executed, he wouldn't have died. If he didn't die, he wouldn't have risen from the dead. And without that, you and I would not have had salvation. Peter was caught up in offense, and Jesus was saying, do not let that offense be a stumbling block to what I'm called to do. Now watch, if Peter, or Jesus, who's close to Peter, and Peter could operate under a demonic spirit, then could it be possible that people close to you could do the same thing? See, in our minds, we think that it's gotta be some real bad person, some evil person, and that's where demonic warfare comes from. No, 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 it could come from anywhere and anyone that will partner with it. And that's why we have to be able to discern what spirit is in operation. Heather and I have gotten in, in blow up fights before or arguments or uh, what, what, what do Christian people call it? Intense fellowship. No. They're fights. And you know, you know the kind of, you know, the, 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 the atmospheres where you could just be talking about laundry and all of a sudden you're just talking about laundry and you're, and hey, you're supposed to do this, hey, you know, and all of a sudden it's just like, where did this come from? And all of a sudden you're like, and you, and you always and forever, and your mother, and you're just like, like, oh. There's been times early in our marriage where I'm like, whoa, we love each other, right? No, no, where did this come from? How did we go from zero to 10? That escalated quickly. How did that happen so fast? Whoa, whoa, whoa. There are spirits that try to come in and sow discord in your marriage. In relationships, listen, you have to be able to discern when foul spirits are in operation. I'll give you another example. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 says this. It happened that they were going from place to place or going to the place of prayer. A slave girl with the spirit of divination met us and was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. Following after Paul, look at this very closely. She kept crying out saying, these men are bond servants of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Did you read that? Look at this. Everything she said was true. Keep reading, verse 18. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed he turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And at that very moment, it came out. Now watch this. If you don't have the ability to discern spirits, you will allow demon-possessed people to say good things that are not God. Nothing she said wasn't true, but it was a foul spirit that was motivating. Watch, and it says over and over, she said, she said, she said. And even though she's saying, Paul, turn and talk to the demon. 
He discerned the spirit that was in operation and he called it out and immediately it left. Church, we have to be able to discern the difference between what sounds good and what is really God. What sounds good sounds like, well, we're married in God's eyes. No, you fornicate in God's eyes. Well, I tithe my time. No, you Sabbath your time. You tithe your resources. See, people will say good things that sound good, but they're not God. And if you do not have the gift of discerning the spirits, you will not be able to recognize the difference between what sounds good and what is really God. Discerning the spirits help us judge what spirit is in operation. That word distinguishing or discerning actually means the act of judgment. First Corinthians 12, 10 in the Amplify says this, discerning the spirits is the ability to distinguish sound godly doctrine from deceptive doctrine of man-made religions and cults. That word discerning or distinguishing in the Greek is the word diakrisis, which means this, the act of judgment or thorough discernment or conclusion to distinguish lookalikes that appear to be the same. See, distinguishing between the spirits, you need to hear this today, is actually the ability to judge what spirit is in operation. Uh, you know why this is so rare in the body of Christ? Because the Facebook theologian's favorite verse to partially quote is Matthew 7, don't judge me. And really, let me interpret that for you. Really what they're saying is I'm rebellious, I'm unsubmitted, I have no spiritual authority, I want to remain lukewarm in my sin. So you don't bring up my sin and I won't bring up your sin and we'll all be lukewarm together. And so we partially quote Matthew 7 and we stop after we say, don't judge me. Can we read Matthew 7 together? How about we read verse 2? For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use will be measured to you. Why do you speak, see the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Verse five, you hypocrite. Look at this. First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Matthew 7 is not saying do not discern spirits and help your brother or sister judge clearly their lifestyle. It is saying, do not be a hypocrite. Watch, judge yourself first. Get your own stuff together. Then help your brother. 
It is not saying don't help your brother. It's not saying don't confront your brother. In fact, scripture is very clear that we're not to judge those outside the church, but we are to bring accountability to those that are inside the church. Why? Because it's helping people identify what spirit you're really operating. Because a lot of people think that they're operated by the Holy Spirit, but their actions are demonic. Do you know that originally God set up that his followers would be judged. He originally set up for us priests and judges. And Judges chapter two, it tells the story. It says another generation grew up that neither knew the Lord nor the things that he had done. It's amazing. God saved Israel, pulled them out of the wilderness, brought them out of slavery, brought them into a promised land. They conquered the, 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 the wicked cities that were in the promised land. He gave them their own land, fulfilled his promises, and then they quickly forgot about the goodness of God. They begin to live in sin and compromise and they begin to stray from God. So what did God do? He sent them judges, what? Not to condemn them, but to bring them back in right standing with God. I wish I had somebody who understood. Listen, the judgment of God is not to condemn you. The judgment of God is to align you into his perfect will. I need more. I need more monitor, Chris. God sent Jonah to Nineveh to preach judgment because he planned to give them mercy. The preaching of judgment wasn't to judge Nineveh. It was to warn them, to align them with God. But people don't want to be judged. Don't judge me. You thought that was just the Facebook theologian. No, that was the children of Israel too. They got it from them. And then here's what happened in the book of 1 Samuel. They begin to cry out and they said, we don't want judges anymore. We want a king. Now it's amazing. It says this in 1 Samuel chapter 8. It says this, now appoint us a king to judge us like the nations. Well, look at this. They didn't want God to judge them. They wanted a king to judge them. What they're saying, listen, this is so important you get this. The verse goes on to say, God said to Samuel, don't worry about it. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. When you reject the word of God, you reject the kingship and lordship of Jesus. Samuel goes on to warn them by the encouragement of the Lord. He said, warn them, if they want a king to rule over them, then these will be the consequences of that lordship. See, here's the thing is if you won't be judged by God's word, you will be ruled by the spirit of man. John 7, 24 says this, judge not according to appearances, but judge righteous judgment. What is righteous judgment? Righteousness means to be, to do, to live right in God's eyes. I, I need to make this abundantly clear. We are supposed, we are called to use God's word to judge the body of Christ, to judge our lives. And here's the reason, so that when we stand before the judgment seat, we will be standing in right standing with God. Watch, because we did not resist his word. Let me keep teaching on this. Hebrews 5.13 says this, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Since he is a child, 
but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish, to distinguish good from evil. This is so important. What Hebrews 5 is telling us is that the spiritually immature do not have the gift of discerning the spirits. Because they don't want anyone to ever judge them, they don't spiritually grow. And they remain the ones that have to forever drink the milk. They never eat the meat of God's word. How do you grow in maturity spiritually? Hebrews 5 tells us, for those that have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice of distinguishing good from evil. Church, without discerning or judging the spirit, we authorize a spirit of confusion. This is important you understand this. Confusion is rampant because the gift of discerning the spirit is so rare. Because people will not call out the spirit that are in operation because the church has become so timid, so afraid, so lukewarm, so compromised. We cringe when people start talking about judging in God's word rather than allow God's word to sharpen us, to heal us and to mature us. So because this is so rare, it's authorized a spirit of confusion. First Corinthians 14, says, for God is not the God of confusion. That word confusion means the instability that brings disorder or disturbance. Things being out of control, up for grabs, or the uncertainty that generates more instability important you understand this the spirit of confusion is a form of witchcraft James 3 16 says this for where there is jealousy selfish ambition exists there is disorder confusion unrest rebellion and every evil thing and morally degrading practice discerning the spirits keep you from being deceived by false spirits by demonic spirits 1 Timothy 4.1 says this. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times or the end days, some will turn away from the true faith and follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Church, the spirit of confusion is rampant because we have stopped judging rightly. Because we have not wanted to judge because we haven't wanted to discern, distinguish the spirits, the spirit of confusion has free reign. Do you know we currently have a Supreme Court justices that refuse to define what a woman is? I got a three-year-old who's like, dad, we're boys, mom's a girl. Yes, son, there's a great call on your life. Hey, we're joking for a second, but hold on a second. This is one of the smartest women on the planet. This is a profoundly brilliant woman. She's a Supreme Court justice. This is not a stupid person. 
This is a brilliant, articulate individual who's one of the highest, who is the high, on the highest court of our land. Watch, that refuses to answer, watch, being operated by a spirit of confusion. Watch, there's no reason not to define what a woman is. There's no reason for it. So for there to be this level of stupidity and insanity means this. It is a choice to partner, watch, with the spirit of confusion. Oh, spirit of confusion is rampant in our land because we don't judge anything, because we don't call out what is God and what is not good. And so we are confused about everything. Now, the, the, the body of Christ is confused about marriage. Let me help you. The only biblical marriage that God authorizes is between one man and one woman. And just because something is legal in America does not make it lawful in the kingdom. But I have met countless Christians. Oh, if two people love each other. God's love. Yes, he is. But what you define as love is not God. I had a gentleman reach out to me. I wrote a book in 2016 called Gay Awareness. And uh, Pride Month's coming up next month. It'd be a good book for you to probably read. And this book is what the Bible says about sexuality. It's discovering the heart and the, the, mind of the, uh, the heart of the Father and the mind of Christ. It's about unrelenting love for people while remaining unwavering in our loyalty to God's word. And this gentleman reached out to me and he said, I need to talk to you. He said, my husband bought me your book because he thought it was a pro-gay book. He saw the cover and he sent it to me as a gift. And I started reading your book. He said, I started feeling the Holy Spirit again. See, he grew up a pastor's kid and he had run away from God and he had met some mean Christians that pushed him in the wrong direction. He said, pastor, I don't know what to do. He said, I, I, I'm married. I said to him on the phone, I've never got to say this as a pastor before, but it's okay to divorce your husband because you're not married in God's eyes. Your marriage is not a spiritually legitimate marriage. And I said, I know it's hard, but I promise you, if you lean into the things of God, if you go back to God, if you commit yourself to God, I promise you, you will feel him more and more. You will feel his love more and more. I got a message back from him a few months later. said, Pastor, it's really hard, but I left my husband. I'm back in church and I'm serving the Lord with everything I got. You're applauding that over a homosexual sin, but what about the heterosexual sin of the two people that are living together that you're not married? It is the same spirit of perversion that is operating in your life that it is that life. Listen to me. It's the same for the man that's in the bondage of pornography that has to make a decision to distinguish the spirit that's trying to destroy his marriage. Come on, righteousness is to stand, to do, to be, to live right in God's eyes no matter what you're tempted with we need to bring clarity 
you say, pastor, but I'm born that way. I got good news for you. All of us got to be born again. Listen to me. It does not matter what your temptation is. All of us take the temptation to the cross. And if you're struggling with your sexual identity, I want you to hear my voice as a shepherd, not applauses or cheers of people. And I want to let you know that you are loved and welcomed in this house. And there are countless of individuals that not only struggle with sexual identity in this house, but all sorts of sexual sin. My wife was a teenage drug addict, alcoholic, immoral, on her way to hell and encountered God passing a bong at a college dorm room. That's who your pastors are. Watch, you know what else is confusing? The spirit of religion. Because the spirit of religion will say you have to get your stuff together before God will love you and accept you. Let me preach to you today. The word says, why you are yet still a sinner, Christ died for you. Listen, his love for you is not contingent by if you're good or you're bad. It's not contingent by your behavior. Listen, he died on the cross while you were yet in your sin. Don't you dare leave here feeling ashamed. You're hearing the applause of other sinners that just have other sin. Ask Pastor Steve, he's got all sorts of sin in his life. <laughs> Don't let a foul, confusing spirit of religion made its way into the church. You know what religion does? Religion complicates getting to God. Makes it difficult to give to God. It's really easy. We're bad. We don't deserve it. God's so good. He died on the cross and we don't deserve it. Spirit of religion trying to confuse people. I hear it all the time. Religious spirits trying to tell people they need to get baptized again. People think they're going to hell because they're baptized wrong. There wasn't a towel. He, wasn't, he didn't have it right. He didn't say the right words. How was the thief on the cross baptized? No, but this foul spirit of religion that tries to confuse people. We need to bring the spirit, the gift of discerning the spirits back into operation. Because here's the thing, is the purpose of this confusion, the, this, the strategy behind it is to keep you to engage or to entertain lies. Hmm. The purpose of the spirit of confusion is to get you to partner with lies. Look at this, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 says this. I love the scripture. Even him who's coming in after the work of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders. You know what a lying wonder? A lying wonder is the introduction of a lie through confusion. Genesis 3, God said to Eve, did God really say? It's a lying wonder. To get you confused about what God's word says so that you partner with lies. Church, there's a war on truth. 
And confusion is rampant and we cringe when we hear truth from the pulpit and leave a church over it because it's run wild. And it's rare, people come up to me all the time, thank you for preaching truth. What else are we supposed to be preaching? Hmm. I got a Tuesday Q&A. And the Tuesday Q&A asked me, do we use people's preferred pronouns? This is a genuine question for many believers. And here's my answer. The Bible tells us in the 10 commandments in Exodus 20, 16, you shall not bear false witness or you shall not lie. If you force me to lie about your pronouns, you are forcing me to break a commandment of our God. Do not bear false witness means this. It forbids first speaking falsely in any matter. You need to hear this today. Your personal confusion does not overrule biblical truth. And you are not a bad, a mean, a hateful, an ignorant, or throw on what adjective they want to call you. You are not... You are not any of those things by standing on God's word. You feel that little bit of awkwardness in the room? It's because you've entertained confusion for so long. There are only two genders. Genesis, God said he created a man and he created a woman. Those are the only two genders, they're the only two options and guess what, we don't get to choose them, God does. When we were still in our mother's womb, he knew us. He formed us with a plan, with a purpose, with a destiny. Listen, if you say there's multiple genders, what you're saying is that God's word is a lie. Then you're saying God is a lie. If you don't have the spirit, if you don't have the gift of discerning the spirits, you will play on with these charades and these games. Listen, listen, the purpose of the multiple genders is to make Genesis 1, 2, and 3 not matter. If Genesis 1, 2, and 3 don't matter, then Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John don't either. Watch. If his word isn't true in Genesis, it's not true in the Gospels. It is an assault on God's word. And the assault on God's word is an assault on God. Ah, if you cannot discern what spirit is in operation, you will play the game. And eternity's at stake. It's not a game, church. We have to be people of faith that stand in the gap. We declare good and evil, right and wrong. Isaiah says there's coming a day where men will call good evil and evil good. Church, we are living in that day today. I gotta get going. Acts chapter three, let's go back to our, Acts chapter 13, let's go back to our story. Acts chapter 13, we have a story of Paul and Barnabas. This is the book of Acts. This is the early day New Testament church. And Paul and Barnabas are on missionary journeys to go evangelize the world. Saul became Paul. He was a persecutor of the Jews, encountered God, 
and end up writing two-thirds of the New Testament after he met Jesus on a road to Damascus. They're in a place called Cyprus, which was known as the birthplace of the goddess Venus. This was a very secularized, demonic place. They're in the city of Paphos, which was a city west of the island. It was the Roman capital where the governor resided. He was an intelligent, wise, learned man. The governor was a man of influence, but the man of influence was surrounded by demonic activity and witchcraft. Very similar to our politicians today. This sorcerer was named Elamus. He was a sage or a title describing him as his claim to wisdom or supernatural powers. He was known for his sorcery. See, we, fight, we see something similar in the book of Acts, uh, uh, Acts chapter 8 verse 9 where there was a, a man named Simon the sorcerer. That word sorcerer in the Greek is the word meio, which means to practice magic. We see signs of this in Exodus 7 with Pharaoh's magicians or Daniel 1 and 2 with the wise men. See, the word Greek means that they astonished people or amazed them to confound their judgment. I'm going to say this again. These sorcerers or magicians or demonic individuals led in witchcraft would amaze people to confound their judgment. To be amazed by them so that they would be afraid of them. Acts 13, verse seven, look at this. This sorcerer had attached himself to the governor. He had made himself close advisor to the governor. He was an intelligent man. Says this, the governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear what the word of God was. Verse eight. But Elimus, the sorcerer, interfered. He urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. This is so important, church, please hear me. The spirit of confusion keeps people from believing in the true God. This is the source of it. And this witchcraft attached itself to this governor or to this man of influence. And as soon as this man of influence came into interaction with the one true living God through Saul and Barnabas, look at this magi or this magician, this sorcerer began to resist them. This is important that you understand this. When we are expanding spiritual territory, we will be met by resistance. But resistance does not mean you are doing something wrong. In fact, on the contrary, resistance means typically you are doing something right. I remember I was going through one of the greatest time seasons of spiritual warfare I've ever gone through. And I was in a Lou Engle service and I'm worshiping, and as I'm worshiping, I just feel the weight of the glory of God come on me, and I end up just bowing lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. I'm standing up, but I'm bowed all the way over, and I hear the Lord speak to me, and he said, the weight of witchcraft has caused you to bow before me, but your knee have not bowed to the spirit of Baal. And up to that point, 
This is so important you hear this. I thought I was encountering resistance because I was doing something wrong. Surely I was making mistakes and because of my bad choices or my mistakes in leadership, that was the reason that the result was I had to go through all this warfare and all this resistance. But what the Lord told me, he said, you're encountering this resistance not because you're doing something wrong. It's because you are doing something right. Paul and Barnabas, they encountered this demonic resistance because they were doing something right. Watch what it says here. This is wild. He encounters this witchcraft. And here's what he says in verse 9. It says, Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Or watch this. He operated in the gift of distinguishing the spirits. Here's what he said in verse 10. He said, you are the son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud. You are the enemy of all that is good. You will never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord. I want to stop for a moment and point out how interesting it is when any time a man or woman of God encounters the demonic how quickly people say they really should just be nicer. I need you to hear this today. We're always loving to people. And according to scripture, we turn the other cheek to people. Scripture does not tell us to turn the other cheek to demons. And if you cannot discern the spirit that's in operation, you will turn the other cheek and permit demons to have free access. If you are unwilling to operate in the gift of discerning the spirits, you will allow lying, confusing spirits to run rampant in your home. He says, you are a child of the devil. And some people think I'm intense. <laughs> no, but you, but you get this all the time by undiscerning people. I don't know why you're talking about politics. You're undiscerning. You're undiscerning. You're not discerning the wicked, foul spirits that have their sights set on our city that have their sights set on our children. Do you think it's just random coincidental that when you were growing up, the population that identified as homosexual or transgender was less than 1% and they're saying now today it's nearly 25 or 30%? How, how did it go from one to 25% in a generation? We did not discern the spirit. And the church has abandoned the gifts of the spirit and the gift of discerning the spirits. So we've given demonic activity free reign. Paul said, you son of the devil. Do you know what a son of the devil is? It's an individual that commits to partnering with sin. We're almost done, 
and I'm going to pastor you. Because you don't need a motivational speaker. You have social media. You need a pastor. And good pastors are good fathers. They tell you the truth. So I'm going to pastor you through reading the Bible. You ready for this? 1 John 3, 6. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you, even if they're popular celebrities. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes the practice of sinning is of the devil. And the devil has been sinning from the beginning of time. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Look at verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in Kim. He cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Look at verse 10. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. This scripture is not saying if you sin, you're a child of the devil. This, this scripture is saying if you are habitually, willfully, characteristically continuing the engagement of willful sin, you are a child of the devil. Because you do not encounter the goodness of our God and continue the lifestyle pattern of sin. The enemies of righteousness, you need to hear this today, church, are the enemies of Jesus. He said this, you never stop perverting the ways of God. He gave them perverted direction. You know what that means? He led people away from God. Worshiping, come and join me. This sorcerer, watch, tried to interfere with the governor encountering God. How do you know if a spirit that is an operation is demonic. It is making the straight ways of the Lord crooked. It's making the good things of God evil. It's calling right wrong and wrong right. Church, if we do not have the gift of discerning the spirits, you will not discern the Antichrist. If you cannot discern the spirit that's in operation, you will be deceived. And the spirit of confusion is plaguing our society. We need the gift of discernment. Watch what happened. Scripture says Paul was full of the Holy Spirit. He said to the sorcerer, you will now be blind. And you won't see. Watch. And the eyes of the sorcerer went dim. And the hold that he had on the governor loosened. When the gift of discerning the spirit is in operation, 
the governor saw clearly and the spirit of confusion lost its hold. When we begin to operate in the gifts of discerning the spirits, watch, the spirit of confusion leaves its hold. It loses its hold. I need you to hear a father's heart now. We always have love for people that are caught in sin. But we do not tolerate demonic spirits that are keeping a generation bound in it. We have to have the heart of the prodigal son's father that when someone's running home from being in sin, we're running after them with the heart of joy that someone was lost is now found. But at the same time that we stand in the gap and refuse to call good evil or evil good. When we operate in the gift of discerning the spirits, this is, you gotta hear this, the spirit of confusion will lose its hold. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I wanna ask you a question. What spirit has a hold on your life? What spirit has a hold in your family? What spirits are in operation? The gift of discerning spirits will expose every spirit that's not the Holy Spirit. This is why we pray no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome here. Every other spirit has to go. Hmm. Right now, right at your seat, all over this place, this morning I was on a prayer run. So clearly I heard the Lord tell me to tell you just to ask for the gift of discerning spirits. This is a free gift, just like wisdom, just like knowledge, just like prophecy, just like speaking in tongues. This is a free gift. And right where you're at, all over this place, if you desire this gift, just go ahead and ask for it. Ask for it out loud so your own two ears can hear it. Right now, just say it with a, with a genuine heart. Remember, we learned this with wisdom. You don't have to have everything together to ask God for these gifts. You could ask for them right now. Just ask him for it. Father, I pray right now that you would give us as a body, as a community, as mercy culture, as sons and daughters, we ask you for this gift right now. Come on, online campus, pray with me right now. We ask you for the gift of discerning the spirits that we would know what is you and what is not. What is the difference between what is good and what is God? I pray right now, Father, that you would reveal to us, Holy Spirit, when you are in our 
operation and when you're not in operation. Now I pray right now that you begin to expose in our lives every spirit that's not you. Expose in our family every spirit that's not you. Expose in our home every spirit that's not you. I felt in my spirit that God's going to begin to exp- uh, reveal things to you that are in your home that should not be in your home. Uh, he's revealing right now relationships that sh- you should not be in right now. He's, he's removing partnerships and covenants that you should not have. He's exposing right now things that you've been intimate with that are not him. Father, I pray that you would reveal everything that needs to be revealed. I pray right now, I feel this strong in my spirit, that the hold of confusion is breaking off people right now in Jesus' name. I pray right now, lies are breaking off people in Jesus' name. I feel this right now. It's going through you to your family. I pray even family members that are living in a spirit of confusion. I pray right now that it is breaking off. I I feel in my spirit as we're just standing here right now that the Lord is going to give us spiritual authority in this area. He's going to give us spiritual authority to war against spirits, but war for people. I I, I sense in my spirit that there's going to be salvations that are in your home. There's going to be deliverance that's in your home. Family members are going to be in your home. I feel so strong in my spirit that there's individuals that are struggling with their identity, that are living in the gay lifestyle, that the Lord is calling home. He's beckoning home. He's calling them to sonship. He's calling them to daughtership. He's calling them to right standing. He's calling the love of the Father is calling people home. I feel in my spirit that there's been uh, uh, demonic bondages in marriages that, that you've tolerated spirits that aren't the Holy Spirit. And I pray right now that the lies of the enemy would be broken. I pray it would be broken. I pray right now in this moment, healing for marriages. Healing for marriages. I, I sense this in my spirit that there's been men that you've allowed spirits that are not the Holy Spirit to be in your home. And I feel right now that there's this open moment. There's this window right now of authority to cast that out right now. Come on, pray with me, men. We declare no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome in our homes, is welcome in our marriages, that is welcome in our children. Uh, I sense in my spirit that there's individuals that you have children, even young children, that you sense a spirit of confusion even now at a young age trying to visit them. I just feel led by the Lord to encourage you to operate in the gift of discerning spirits. Here's the word I feel, take authority. I sense in my spirit, I saw this picture of you declaring over your children who God says they are. And I saw the seeds of truth being planted in them. And then I saw the water of worship being poured over them. And I saw fruit that remains. I feel like we're supposed to do this just right now. Would you just begin to pray by name over your children? If you don't have any children, would you just begin to just 
Stretch your hands this way towards our children's center in ministry and just begin to pray for the kids of this house. Father, I pray right now. I pray right now. I pray right now in the name of Jesus. I declare right now, spirit of confusion, leave. I pray right now that there would be just strong minds. I declare right now strong minds. I declare renewed minds. I declare right now over our children's church, our children's ministry, I pray renewed minds. I pray right now the spirit of truth is in them. I declare that they will know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Father, I pray right now over our children that they will know you. I pray more than anything that you will teach them your ways, that they will know you and find favor. We pray, we put it on t-shirts, we pray that they will never know one day outside of your presence. I pray right now a hedge of protection over every single one of them. I declare angels war around them. I declare nothing could harm them. Father, I pray right now no spirit but the Holy Spirit is welcome in their minds. We pray over our children God dreams. We pray for no terrors in the night. We pray right now Holy Spirit an atmosphere in our home of peace, of love, of joy. We declare sound minds over our babies right now in Jesus' name. If you got a prayer language, just go ahead and use it. Nobody's prophesying in tongues. This is just a gift of the Spirit. I'll teach about this in a few weeks. If you don't have a prayer language, you could ask the Lord for it. You could just love on the Lord right now. Just love on the Lord right now. Just take a few moments. Just love on the Lord. Father, we love you. We declare you're holy. You're holy. You're holy. We declare Jesus. You're holy. You're holy. You're holy. There's no one like you. There's none beside you. We say you're holy. You're holy. You're holy. Jesus, you're holy. You're holy. You're holy. I pray over this church right now. Sound minds. I pray sound minds. I pray sound minds. If you have been struggling with your mind, If you have felt your mind being attacked, just lay hands on your mind right now. I declare right now, all through over this place, renewed minds. I declare right now, whole minds. I declare healed minds. I pray right now, worry, you go. I declare worry, go. Loose thoughts, I declare you are reined in. I declare we take every thought captive and we make it obedient. I declare over this congregation, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I declare declare that you are bought with a price. I declare that you have a plan and purpose. I hear the Lord saying, you are loved. You are loved. You are loved. There's a lie coming over people's mind that they are not loved. And I hear this, you are loved. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Someone start praying that with me right now. You are loved. I want to teach just first. Look, wait. We started praying in the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden these things start coming up. Beautiful things happen when you pray in the Holy Ghost. Would you stand with me? I feel that there's an anointing in this house for breakthrough of anxiety. I want to share one quick thing and then there's going to be a a, a healing moment. For the last two months, I've experienced some of the greatest witchcraft or anxiety I have felt in the last 10 years. I came into the sanctuary about a, a month ago and I laid on the floor. No one was in here, just me and the Lord. And I could physically feel my heart hitting the floor. 
That's how much anxiety I had. And I know what it is. It's the physical effects of witchcraft. Do you know what I did? I stayed in his presence. I want you to hear, it's about, it's about a, a six week period that it was just nonstop. In about two weeks, I could look down and look like, I, I could literally see my shirt moving. It's not fun. But I know what it is. So I'd come in the sanctuary. I'd go on the trail. And I'd say, no spirit. But the Holy Spirit is welcome. Holy Spirit, would you come? If you're struggling with any anxiety, come down to this altar and just pray with me right now. No spirit, but the Holy Spirit. Every other spirit you have to go. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com. 